You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is Will Mavity's interview with the directors of The Rescue, Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Basarheli. Breaking news right now out of Thailand. Rescue teams are working through the night to save 12 boys and their coach trapped inside a cave. The monsoon had come early. The conditions in the cave were impossible. There was a very strong feeling that the children couldn't be still alive. We need expert cave divers out here. The Thai Navy SEALs put everything they had into it, but only this group of people who do it as a weekend hobby has those skills. I was thinking this, this has actually got our name all over it. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face trying to wriggle through holes that I couldn't wriggle through, finding a bigger space, sliding through, and then repeating again and again. How, how many of you? Thirteen. We look into each other's faces thinking we may be the only ones that ever see them. Finding the boys was the easy part. They didn't have a clue how to get those kids out. We didn't think it was possible to dive the children out. We came up with the actual logistical plan. I told him, that's a horrible idea. And then Rick said, what if it's the only idea? We were brutally honest. We promised multiple fatalities. It's about controlling your emotions and your fear. Panic is death in the cave. My mind was on overdrive. Oh my god, am I going to be good enough? If they die, it's going to tear me apart. If you don't die, everyone will die. I told the guys, this is a one-way trip. Once you start, you cannot stop. Believe. Believe. Well, how are you guys? Are you on the East Coast now, West Coast? We're on the East Coast. We're in New York. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you know, thank you for accommodating. I know you already had your whole West Coast shtick last week, so... Yeah, so this was fantastic, guys. I was straight up on the edge of my seat, which is something I'm getting accustomed to every time I watch one of your movies. I know you guys were hot off making Free Solo when this actually occurred. Was this something where like you were watching the news and you both kind of immediately knew, oh man, we we need to make a movie about this? Or because I assume everybody was chomping at the bit to get the story rights and try to be the first to make something, right? Yeah, I mean, like much like many around the world, like we were just transfixed by the story as it transpired, you know, living with the ups and the downs and like the daily kind of heartbreak. And yes, there is a well-documented kind of rights race that that happened afterwards. And it's kind of something foreign for us in nonfiction, um, but it just, they all kind of fell by, like it just happened. So one studio pursued the, um, the children's rights, another studio got the diver's rights, and, you know, we just tracked it. There was another filmmaker who started making this film at, at National Geographic and that project didn't work out. And once we were aware of that, we asked National Geographic if we could take it. So I guess having a uh, National Geographic backing really helped you a lot procuring a lot of the footage because, I mean, you guys weren't there, right? So you had to go through third parties to get all of the contemporaneous footage. Tell me a little bit about procuring all of that on the ground footage from the meetings back and forth with, you know, all the people before they went in 
in general, since I assume you never set foot in Thailand when this happened? Um, we did ultimately set foot in Thailand, but um, tried it. Um, I did, but it was like it's a mix. I mean, everything that transpired outside of the cave is kind of culled from news footage, and. I mean, in terms of like what is like clearly news footage, like it looks a little different in the film, but there was a trove of footage that we were able to acquire from the Thai Navy SEALs that they were the only ones who filmed inside the cave, except for the few shots by Dr. Harris. And they were filming at all these meetings because they were documenting it. So that was a very long process, but we were able to acquire that footage. The the whole final third of this movie where you really do these amazing recreations of the cave rescue is one of the focal points. Um, tell me a little bit about staging something like this, making sure there's visibility in the water, because I know the real life caves are very murky, and also having some of the real life people basically recreate their own adventures throughout the cave instead of getting actors yeah, well, authenticity is very important to us, uh, you know, and, and also because for us, it's really important that the participants feel good about the film and feel like it's true to the spirit of, of the story. It was pretty easy to convince them to come together. Um, and and we, we gathered them really to demonstrate, you know, what they did and how they did it. And uh, to be able to see, you know, live in person, like how they carry the tanks and how they move through the cave. And, all, you know, they, they were literally wearing the exact same, you know, dive suits that they wore uh, during the rescue. And so it served, you know, kind of a few purposes, obviously like them demonstrating it for us and being able to film them demonstrating it. So that was really authentic. You know, they, they were as kind of obsessive about the details as we were, you know, cause they wanted to get it right. They didn't, they were like, no, this is, you know, Jason carried five tanks at one point and this is what it looked like. And they would dive with the five tanks. And, but it also gave us a lot of insight into the mentality, like seeing them prepping and getting into the water. I mean, cave diving is the type of activity where there's not a lot of room for mistakes, not in yeah. even shooting in a tank, you know, it's like, so it was it was really uh, informative for us. And, you know, just to be clear, though, a lot of the footage that you're seeing in the third act is actually real footage from the Thai Navy SEALs. You know, it's the footage that's like underwater, you know, where no one was able to film, where it was pitch black and muddy. Um, you know, we really wanted to give people the experience of that, like a visceral experience and bring them into the film. But it, it's actually kind of remarkable, like how much, you know, footage we got from the Thai Navy SEALs that was just, you know, for us was so extraordinary because we, we had imagined it and we heard about all these situations and scenarios, but to finally be able to see it and see the actual footage of you know, them like hauling the kids out of the water and like 200 people kind of moving through, you know, moving the the stretcher through there. I mean, it, you know, it really gave us a sense of the scale. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. So with a film like this that's just so razor sharp, taut, snappily paced, was there anything that you had to cut from the film that you was was a really tough aspect to let go that you kind of wish had been able to stay in the film? I mean, it's so lot, wonderfully paced. I mean, there were a lot of things that I think that we were tempted to cut a lot more and it actually proved that leaning into the complexity worked for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, I mean, there's some like pretty harrowing stories, like, um, like the rescue of the coach, um, of which Jim Varney brought him out and the coach woke up partway and grabbed Jim's breathing cables or, you know, the death Nick's, um, that Rick's diving partner who died in Mexico actually is Connor, Connor's dad and mm-hmm. Connor's in the film. And it was like this amazing thing, but it was just, it didn't work in the movie. Yeah. And so, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully we get to talk about these stories and, but that's kind of the job, right? Like you try your best to best, um, con- like represent the essence of the story. And so for us, like we have to give, you know, more weight and more space to other types of voices. Yeah. You know, and it, it obviously it ends at the perfect emotional moment and you have this great song come in. Uh, tell me a little bit about, this in credit song you had with Dan Pemberton and Aloe Black, how you kind of settled on that and these wonderful animated credits to go with it too. Well, I'm so happy you brought them up. Um, the animated credits are like, I love them as, <laughs> as I do. I love the song. Um, animated credits are the same artists who, you know, made, who painted like the princess um, tableau. So I asked them to, how would they represent visually the story of the rescue? And so those are those portraits. And because it was kind of this idea of like how, like this story will become legend one day and like, how would it be seen through like the local Thai artistic eye? And so that was fun. But um, I mean, that was really special. But um, Aloe Black watched the film and sent us like this, like, I don't know, 30 seconds of a song and he got it, (laughs) you know, and so did Daniel. And so, you know, end songs are like a tricky thing and what was hardest about this was we'd actually, you know, the end song is being written before we finish the movie. But, you know, it is kind of the sentiment that we take away from the film, because like, it is bittersweet, 
but we hope to like, you know, in that, you know, it's sweet in that like you see people at their best who like made these incredibly generous, took these incredibly generous actions. And you think about today and you're like, oh, everything could be so much different if we were our best selves and we're generous and good community members. <laughs> Selfless, yeah. But um, I prefer to think, we prefer to think about the optimistic future. Yeah, honestly, I, I feel that with the film, you know, everyone I talk to afterwards, it makes you, especially in what's been a pretty dark couple of years, it definitely made you feel a lot more optimistic that you have this huge international operation between multiple nations where everybody worked together. And it's really the last moment I can think of where, you know, everybody was focused on the same news story and everybody cared and kind of put together selfless desires. So I do think it's a really beautiful story. Do you guys have any idea? I think you're you're working on a narrative film next with Jake Gyllenhaal, aren't you? Helicopter Heist? We're no longer doing that. And we have um, a great doc that we're really excited about. Gotcha. So you've already picked out your next doc, doc topic then? Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah. I assume you can't tell me about that yet. <laughs> no, we can. We can. Actually, we've been working on it for quite a few years. And uh, it's it's about Doug Tompkins and Chris Tompkins and Yvonne Chouinard. Um, it's an incredible love story. It's uh, also about, you know, they're our mentors. Um, we have very close personal relationships with them, but they also, you know, Doug started the North Face and Yvonne started Patagonia and they were kind of the original, you know, dirtbag climber, skier, mountaineer, surfers, you know, they defined the ethos and the culture of, you know, surfing and climbing and mountaineering. And then they went on to become the great, greatest conservations of their time. Um, and they just led these extraordinary lives. Uh, and, and kind of like, I guess, like the rest, you, you, people know the super, like the superficial aspects of the story kind of, but when you find, you know, when you, when you see what, what really transpired and how they shaped their lives around what they did is, is pretty extraordinary. So. Well, this was wonderful guys. Thank you so much. And I, I can't wait for everyone to see this huge crowd pleaser. So. <laughs> thank awesome. you so much. Well, thank you. Of we course. Appreciate it. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Will Mavity's interview with the directors for the new documentary film, The Rescue, Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Chai Vasarheli. The Rescue is now currently playing in theaters from National Geographic Documentary Films. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast and we are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? 
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.